and welcome to episode 24 of The Dive. We have Frost Curran this time because we're going to talk a little bit about play-ins later. We had last week off because of the group chaw, but it's Worlds time. I mean, Worlds is going to start in, by the time this airs, probably in like 52 hours or something. Uh, don't quote me on that. Check all these sports for the schedule. <laughs> that but it's was soon. Much less excited than the 24. Yeah. It is soon. Which I really liked, by the way. Yeah. We had to do a false start there, and I wasn't as excited, so I had to amp it up. Anyways. Kobe 24. Kobe. Welcome, uh, Frost Curran here. Yeah. Enough with the 24s, though. Uh, how are you doing this uh, morning? <laughs> yeah. Afternoon? I got here pretty early, so pretty good. Excited about plans. Mm-hmm. It's past plans. Here to flame some Redditors, perhaps? I'm definitely. It's Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Twitter. Uh, Twitter people. Okay, okay. Speaking of flame, we should start with the top 20 list that came yeah, out flame really early this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know, because it wasn't super clear when the article first launched, it's very similar to last year. Last year, it was me, Deficio, and Spawn who made a list. This year, it was me, Deficio, and Papa Smithy who all made our own top 20 lists and then basically combined them to make the LOL Esports top 20 that you see. And there's like a lot of criteria being thrown around for like inconsistencies in logic. Like, oh, but he wasn't good at last year's Worlds. He was good at last year's Worlds. The simplest way I can put it is it's trying to predict how good this player will be at Worlds using whatever you think is going to happen, Mm -hmm. whether you're someone who values history, whether you're someone who's not, current performance, patch, all that stuff uh, is kind of just how good are they going to be at Worlds. So what do you think of the list? Uh, It's it's interesting. I mean, I I always think this stuff is is very fun, particularly because everyone is going to have their own criteria for it, right? You talk a little bit about your criteria and and the start of the video, if you guys do want more context. Yeah, there is a video on YouTube that's like an hour (laughs) of us talking about the top 20 lists. And they all have their own ideas on what makes a player great, which everyone is going to. But I mean, I'm going to kind of start it off with just the fact that there was only two junglers and two top laners on the list. And I I don't know what you thought about that, Kobe, but I was a bit surprised at the lack of of jungle and, and top laner presence. And I know that you know, kind of the idea is that these roles are perhaps less impactful right now or, or at least less flashy. You know, they're kind of mm-hmm. more supportive style roles oftentimes. So that makes it harder for them to get on the list. But, like, I don't think that the junglers have gotten worse, really. So I, I don't think the individual players have gotten worse. I do understand why there would be less uh, of these positions right now because there's so many tanks in these positions and skill expression on tanks uh, is just so much more difficult to actually get across than on, you know, AD carries or any sort of DPS member, right? The difference between a glass cannon 10 performance yeah. and a glass cannon 5 performance, you gain so much more for the team fight with the 10 than mm-hmm. a tank on 5 versus a tank on 10 uh, because there's just a much bigger margin for error on tanks simply to the design of the champion. You're supposed to like take hits and and make more errors. So in that sense, it does make sense to me. Um, I was a little bit surprised that there are only two of each as you were saying, Uh but uh, uh, it does definitely make sense. But like in that same vein, if we're talking about, you know, the, the, what we expect will be the top performing players at Worlds. You then also have to kind of project the meta. And things like Ezreal and Nidalee are probably going to be strong contenders coming back in. Those could be big. And so suddenly, you know, if Blank and Peanut aren't on this list, and then you have these very aggressive, you know, uh, heavy farming, heavy ganking, fast-paced, high-tempo junglers coming back in, people like Contracts, people like Blank and Peanut suddenly become mm-hmm. much more valuable than your, you know, your Cinder Hulk tank-oriented junglers. But, but I would say one thing that I think we're kind of doing a bit of disservice to tank players or to the more supportive style is is not giving enough credence to to how important the decision making is and and mm-hmm. how how much of a difference that can make and while i do certainly agree within the actual mechanical play you know an incredible zed play looks much more amazing than incredible maokai play and, and this sort of thing but to me the great maokai is more about this guy's always in the right place at the right time right it's it's always knowing when to engage and finding those engages and those sorts of things so i still do think that you can really get these incredible performances from tanks it's just right. harder to to appreciate um right. but I, but i was surprised to see not blank that that's the biggest one for me that that he didn't make the top 20 yeah i'll touch on that a little bit like the having fewer top laners on the list i had to do a lot of like figuring out how i look at the game here because are top laners not, or do we actually have two top laners as the top 20 players at Worlds, or are we just looking for the wrong things? Mm. Um, but then it did actually go down to kind of Kobe's point where uh, which top laner am I then putting above, at least for me, like Scout on the list? Or which top laner am I putting above Zven or Doublelift, Condi, like all these guys that, that did make the list and the difference that they would make into the game wasn't there because we have... 120 starters going to Worlds and yeah. like 20 players making this list. So it did end up being very carry-focused, at least this year. And I think then it kind of comes into question, it's like, 
are you rating who you think are the best individual players or are you rating who you think the players are going to be the most effective also including role right and if it's mm-hmm. if it's just this guy is going to be the most effective as a combination of his player skill plus his role then it makes you know more sense yeah. to me well i'd ask you that like which top laners would you put on the list i mean it, it's hard i guess to to put guys above this but it's i think i think jungle was more where i was looking like i i would blank a blank for yep. sure Smithy, I could see an argument for over some of these guys, like you know maybe uh, making the list just just looking from NA perspective. But blank was the biggest one for me. I think that uh, it's yeah, it's it's hard. But like I ended up throwing blank at twenty four, and like mm-hmm. I agree, he's good, but he also wasn't the the full time starter. And if he like, yes, he did come in and save the day for Peanut like a lot of different times. But mm-hmm. if he was really clearly the best jungler on that team, they would have just used him every game. So uh, there, there's a lot of that that was kind of taking down Blank and Peanut on the list for me. Yeah, going down the list, like Ambition seems pretty high there. Um, Wolf also seemed pretty high to me. Uh, if we're just like, what, what things like most jumped out at you yeah. guys as like mm-hmm. that people would uh, have knee-jerk reactions to? Because Wolf, to me, I remember MSI, right? And, and like he just absolutely destroyed at MSI. You know, the, the Zyra play that everyone remembers splashing over the wall and uh, he deservedly got a whole bunch of credit at that tournament. But then going back to Korea, the summer just it was not the same for him, right? He was even talking himself about, like, I'm sorry to my fans. You know, I haven't been practicing that much. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little bit more of the recency stuff. But he's he's pretty high, uh, you know, on the list as well. Well, they did make that big, you know, like, run towards the end. And Wolf's definitely fixed his performance. And I think it, it then goes back to the idea of criteria. Like, if you guys are, are ranking or your criteria is covering, like, longevity of career, consistency, what you expect. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the tried and true of Wolf, then he deserves to be there. But that's why the criteria and, like, the video is so important as, like, a pivotal point. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, like, the most important thing. You cannot just re- release a list like this. And it's almost even more valuable to know the individual criterias of every single member, like Deficio, Papa, and Jat. Um, anytime, I mean, like, Papa spoke very heavily with me about creating a top 20 in my initial gut response was always like hell no i would never want to go near that landmine that is a disaster <laughs> it's fun it's, it's fun, Super fun. fun it's to dodge. Dodge. yeah it's really exciting like uh do you put reckless on the list do you not put reckless on your list you put him 21st that's uh that's probably the one. biggest landmine that happened on this list what's your opinion about reckless on the top 20 i put him let me see double check where i put him so i'm not doing that wrong well he's uh, not on we the didn't list. publish the list below 20 but uh i did rank to 30 uh, i had reckless at 22 where would you theoretically put Reckless on your list of top this 20 is, players? Put hard. you on the spot, experience the pain. Keep in, keep in mind that they 20. have Zven at 16. So yeah. Zven, yes. is, Zven is very easily comparable to Reckless. Which they, is the really difficult part because Reckless was the MVP of the league. So you need yeah. to have like a really good justification of why you would put Zven above Reckless. And I would look at the MVP as this regular season award. And I would look at Zven in playoffs versus Reckless in playoffs losing to Misfits as the main thing that distinguished those two, as well as Zven's consistent performance over the past year and a half on the international stage being a top to your 80 carry every single game yeah i mean i definitely rate zven quite a bit higher and i think that the mvp uh is at least what from community side is really kind of making things a little bit confusing right they're Mm -hmm. saying well how can reckless not be on the list when zven is on the list and reckless is the mvp so reckless is better than them so he's not like but i see zven as a better player as a super consistent player internationally and we're talking specifically about worlds i think that is very very important he as you said has had Mm -hmm. a lot of incredible performances and when i look at reckless I think that he had great performances in EU. He has a very unique play style. At Rift Rivals, it did not work, you know, whatsoever. And that's that's another thing for me that would have detracted from it. I would not have put him in my top 20. Um, I, and I was not surprised by seeing him him outside the top 20. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Deficio did have him at 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only one who actually even had him in there. So uh, t- to me, it's it's not a surprise that he's not on the list, but I can very easily understand how it's how it's super confusing, right? Oh, when yeah. you're saying, how is he the best player in the league and he's not on the list when Sven is? I really like this topic of, uh, you know, regional MVPs and how those weigh into it. You know, aside from everybody's personal, you know, whatever you viewed and which players you may want mm-hmm. or not want on this list, mm-hmm. uh, it happened also, we were talking, I think we were talking with Papa and Deficio Frost, um, about the Scout and Shahu <laughs> issue, where it was a similar thing, right? Because MVPs, um, you know, regional MVP voting is usually like a game-by-game basis. So if you were the biggest, you know, carry factor or something in that game, right. then you get one point. However, 
you don't get negative points for super bad games. So it mm-hmm. those types of awards, the depending MVP on the votes, MVP, they really it, yeah, it really rewards um, you know risky plays, and it doesn't it doesn't detract from your amount of MVP votes or whatever. If you also have low lows, so mm-hmm. people who spike very high and also have dips. Uh, you know, yeah. don't really get punished by that system. Likewise, in the LPL system in particular, you know, obviously if you're the winningest team, you're going to get the most MVP points. And it doesn't matter if you have like a life-saving, you know, performance on the other team. If your team loses, you can't be up for the MVP, even though you probably deserved it for that game. And then that gets into the argument, like, can you truly be an MVP without actually winning the game? Mm-hmm. Uh, my view is I look for the it's best tough. performing player, but <laughs> there's definitely like a debate either way. Um, like last split, we had Doinby as it, our uh, MVP in the LPL and this guy's team won absolutely nothing but he was that consistent that when they did make those occasional wins that by the because of him yeah the ranking system that he got it um this time around it was between Xiao Hu and Scout Scout actually got the MVP for the final Xiao Hu got the MVP for the split um but going into the final because it was RNG and EDG normally the LPL would have just awarded the award to Scout because technically he had more MVPs since EDG won more games but they decided that the performance mm. was that close of a race that they were going to wait until after all of playoffs. Hmm. That's ridiculous. It's not That's ridiculous. <laughs> not the greatest yeah. system. It's not, it's not a regular season MVP anymore, then. It's just yeah. Uh, yeah. the entire split, which What's is just a different award. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to speak to Xiaohu and Scout, I think this is another interesting thing to talk about. Uh, I mean, this is probably like a little unfair to Deficio and Papa Smithy. Feel free to disagree with me, but I want to talk about some of the stuff that we had the most disagreements on and just kind of get your opinion on it. So, mm. Scout. Uh, was high on my list. He was 11th on my list. He didn't make top 20 for Deficio or Papa Smithy, so his average ended up being 19th. Do you think I had Scout too high or they had Scout too low? Can I say both, maybe? Do it. Say whatever you want. <laughs> say 19 is the appropriate ranking for Scout. Because, <laughs> uh, like I was saying before, uh, and I have not watched all of Scout's games, but I did get a pretty good mm-hmm. chunk, and I tried to go also back uh, to you know the beginning of the season to get a little bit of context there yeah. um he, he he did have a high amount of variability for me yeah. yeah um and it was really funny that like he named his in-game name is scout because he rarely does scouting and like scouting is all about gathering information He's scouting with his face but kobe scout <laughs> scout will go for these big plays and like in the finals i'm like oh my god he's like saving this whole game and he's just absolutely carrying them. and then you're like oh my god he's trolling the block is like everywhere yeah. and he's like he sees one person and like without complete information he goes for this big play right and he pulls off the big play i'm like oh yeah. i love him he's the best it's funny because uh as i was doing my vod review for this list and i was watching all of scout's games i started with some of his best games and i was like this guy's amazing i put him like sixth on the list like he was way up there and then i slowly moved him down to where he ended up sitting i mean the thing about scout is did did they know that you had scout so high on the list when they made theirs like did they see that he was too high and then like oh we can't have one list because we got to tank this i would like to say that there was no gamesmanship with this list but we did see each other's lists as they were iterating. So, uh, for instance, like they'd see Scout really high on my, on the list. Like I think the first time they saw my list, I had Scout at seven. Uh, and then like there's a lot of debate that ends up going back and forth. And I will also continue to watch Scout games to drop them down. So the list did move, but there was no like I have to make sure Scout is not 18th, so I'm going to put him 27th. Like yeah. there's none of that going on. I mean, the thing that people really need to understand about Scout, especially if they don't watch the LPL, is that he's effectively like 2014 Pawn 2.0. Um, and 2014. 24- 14 Palm was actually a great player and Scout can have those highs but then you kind of mix in like 2017 Pawn occasionally where you just (laughs) kind of a little dabble of 2017 just a smattering if you will Um, KT was good that's a good Pawn yeah, but, and that's, like, Scout. Like, you watch some games. Like, if you only get a selective piece of Scout, if it's, like, a Lucian game, like, oh, my God, this guy is mm-hmm. the best mid laner in the LPL. This guy's a god. Why did he ever leave Korea? But then you see some of his Talia games where he just, like, single-handedly costs his team the game. You're like, okay, I understand. He, he just seems, like, I, I really agree with Kobe that he does seem, like, high variability, right? Like, because he's always a guy who, to me, seems like he wants to go for the big play. When you always go for the big play and it works, you look amazing. When you go for the big play and you fall flat on your face, uh, it looks real bad. And I mean, you know, the finals is a good example with the LeBlanc games, but I think a lot about the Casio game when I was trying to think, you know, how good is this guy? The first game of that series, he had such a good start on Cassiopeia and he's trying to make all this stuff happen. And he's just not really respecting the fact that he could get ganked. He's dying over and over and over. And, And when you look at like the hallmark of 
who I think a lot of the greatest mid laners are when you think of Baker, everyone is always mm-hmm. going to have to kind of compare to him. You know, it's a guy who is able to draw incredible amounts of pressure and still find effectiveness, right? And there were points where there he were was points not, where he does, where he was, <laughs> yes, but but there's also points where he's not. It, it felt like he's so confident in his own ability that he doesn't respect his opponents is almost the impression I get from when I watch Scout. And sometimes you're like, okay, well, maybe you don't have to, right? But then there's other times where he pays for it. Like, to your point, some of the Talia games, uh, the Casio game, I thought, in game number one, I thought he had opportunities. Was this the Lucian-Casio matchup? Uh, I think it was it was Casio into Syndra, I believe. Okay. I think for game number one of the final. Because I know that there's also um, a case, and the LPL has a history of doing this, where they will pick Lucian into Casio because obviously, like, Casio can really disrupt that matchup with the Miami asthma and she has to play aggressive to beat lucian at least in the lpl this is how maybe the matchup works differently for you guys um but the lpl will do that knowing that scout will be pushed forward so they'll put themselves in a losing matchup to expose the pushing casio to open up gank opportunities and they did this in the past with the twitch lucian uh bot lane as well where they would pick the losing matchup knowing that they would get shoved in to open up the jungler uh jungler possibility that's always such a risky strategy <laughs> yeah <laughs> both teams should like if you're saying this is lpl get meta should know this and there. It's so easy to yeah. send, oh, my jungler's going to go with my winning matchup. Mm, we yeah. win 2v2. Uh, anyway, also, like, we ask these questions with me, Deficio, and Papa Smithy. Like, really watch that video if you want those as well. The or other, just don't watch the video and flame them. Yeah, that's also what a lot of people like doing. <laughs> uh Speaking of flame, <laughs> keep going back to this. You keep doing that, and yeah. every time you do that, I feel like you're going to start talking about flame. He's definitely he's not on the list. Not on yeah. the list. Not on the list. Just, there you go. I'm yeah. disappointed every time. Why isn't flame on the list? Where would you put him, Kobe? Is he the third best top laner at Worlds no, for would, you? I would not. Uh, yeah, the last the last two that I think are worthy of uh, I want your opinions on is can Longju have four of the top six players? Like, can you have the fourth best player on a team be the sixth best player at Worlds? I think because you guys are not rating teams, right? This mm-hmm. this isn't necessarily a prediction that Longju will win. They should be set up with a very good chance to win, um, you know, if these evaluations are correct. But, um, you know, you're not taking into account coaching. You're not taking into account team play. Right? I, I, I think I completely agree. Like, we were actually having that, this conversation earlier, and I think it not only applies to Longju, but some of uh, of the LPL players and some of the conversations I heard about that. People are like, there's so many LPL players on this. This is ridiculous. Like, they're not going to win Worlds. Well, this is individual players. It's not how well they work together. It's like, do you smash your lane? Like, are you making crazy plays? And and yes, it can be working with your team as well. But like to me, it doesn't feel that unreasonable because of how good they looked in the finals against, you know, the pretty much agreed upon best team ever mm-hmm. um and how how dominant some of them have been individually like it felt okay and and also it's just like when you look at the list like it sounds ridiculous at first and then i'm, I'm looking at this list and i'm like who do you put above them who yeah who goes above them i mean you guys have the, essentially the added up wolf uh, list has wolf as number seven right mm-hmm. it, should wolf be above bdd should kuve be above bdd you know mako bjergsen like Exactly. exactly. It gets hard to make the argument when you're actually looking at, all right, okay, well, it's sure, they shouldn't be up there. Who should, right? That's where it gets mm-hmm. hard. And I think, like, let's say in a, a perfect world, like KT Rolster actually made it into Worlds, then suddenly this list, you know, you would expect all of those players pretty much in every single position to start filling them up. For, for KT, it is. Some people, it is. <laughs> So I don't think it's yeah, it's unfair to just say that Longju have some of the best players in their position in the world. Since we were just talking about like Wolf, um, I and I brought it up before. Are, are there any like specific ones that stand out to you? Because Mako is below. Uh, I wasn't gonna say it. I just I, I just want to like poke the poke the bear a little bit here. What, how do you feel? The thing about Mako is really interesting because I always want to say that I think Mako. The safe statement is is that Mako is one of the best supports in the world. The statement that I actually feel is true is that Mako is the best support in the world. But Better that's gorilla? so hard to justify because he's not playing in the toughest league. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have the same longevity as someone like Wolf or Gorilla or even Mata. Uh, and we don't get enough exposure of like Mako against those lanes. Mm. But if, if you look at the context that we do have of Mako, like let's say 2015, because that was when EDG actually won you know, their international title. Like, can you say that Mako is the best support at that point in the world? Some people might say yes, because if you win the tournament, you win the, the championship at the time. Um, I say no, because it was so early on into his career that we didn't know the longevity that he was going to have but now looking back 2020 hindsight maybe you say yes because now we knew how consistent Mako was going to be that he has what 
multiple international uh, appearances. I don't think there's ever been a world's like, yes, Clear Love's collapsed, Mouse has collapsed, but I don't think anyone's been like, wow, this Mako guy, he's really not playing well. He's played with multiple different ADCs. He now has an ADC in iBoy who's only played 22 games mm-hmm. and like takes him, wins the championship, reverse sweeps across from Uzi and is now like going again into worlds. Uh, and it's just, it's hard. Like, yeah. I-, I feel that Mako's the best support, but he just doesn't have the the career or the opportunity to prove it yet. So what is it that you think actually makes him better than Gorilla? Then that's what I would be really interested to hear. Like, So if it's a, if it's intangibles, like leadership aspect, Mako proved this time around. He's now the captain of EDG. He's one of the primary shot callers. Uh, he brought the team back into greatness. They finally, like they're the premier organization. He now has two LPL domestic uh, titles and anything that is great about their macro shot calling does come back to him. And they are one of the smarter, cleaner teams in the LPL, like again, not the LCK. Mm-hmm. So if it's the intangibles and like the leadership when you're comparing to someone like Gorilla, like Mata, I think you're even there. Then you have to look at like the mechanical aspect, the playmaking, the importance that he builds into it. I think if you take Mako and you slot him into, let's say, it's hard because Prey and Gorilla have been a duo forever. Yeah. You can't break that up. But like <laughs> if I take Gorilla and I slot him into EDG, I don't think EDG get better. I wanted to go to bat for Gorilla so much there, but uh, go to bat. I feel like I feel like uh, we're gonna get bogged down in individual right. Uh, I mean discussions, but keep in mind, Gorilla also is working with Rookie uh, Jungler on his team, and that's for uh, important for supports as yeah. well. But most and- of Reddit would say, but Mako is working with Clear Love. Hey, Clear Love at Worlds. Clear Love 7, his 7th season and 7th LPL championship or something like that. I think that Clear Love, like, dodging away from Asheros in a straight line from Last Worlds like 10 times in a row is just, like, burned into everyone's memory, too. It's not great. But what that is an example of, like, even just the Mako versus Gorilla discussion is there is a lot of room for interpretation on lists like this. So that's why we tried to make it three different people from three different regions. So like yeah. you can disagree with it, but you can be like, oh, I understand how they did it. So yeah. uh, watch the video. Uh, I'm sorry watch to Perks video. and Perks fans that I'm essentially the sole reason. Uh, this is a hatch talk. Well, just gonna th- I was going to say, I have to talk throw this. that out at the this. end. So there's a lot of questions of how Perks isn't on the list because he was 18th on Deficio's list and 19th on Papa Smithy's list. I had him at 26th. So that dropped his average down to 21st. They were 2v1 in me uh, in the honorable mentions portion of the video, being like, Perks is great, and I don't think he's a bad player. I just hadn't seen enough, like, either international consistency or even domestic consistency to warrant him being in that club of the mid laners that are actually on that list. So people are obviously immediately going to say MSI. Yep. What, what would you say to his success at that tournament, to his, his performance, yep. specifically against a faker, right? Even if you're just looking mm-hmm. at that, like how well he performed as an individual, even in their losing series, yep. I thought was pretty incredible at MSI. Was that just I not enough for you? I, yes, it wasn't enough. Like, uh, I mean, as far as like longevity, right? Yeah, like, exactly. So uh, he had the good game or two against Faker, and he had the good series against Team WE. He had an okay group stage. They lost almost every early game in that group stage. He had a bad Rift Rivals, a bad Worlds 2016, a bad MSI 2016. He was third place in the all-pro voting for regular season in Europe behind Febivan and Caps, who isn't even close to this list. And he had a really bad quarterfinals against Senkook. So, like, yes, he did have that high, high at MSI, but he had a lot of other good or mediocre performances that just stopped me from putting him in that club uh, in, in the top 20. Because if I'm, if I'm just comparing him against like other mid laners, I did have Maple, uh, I believe. Wait, no. 28th. Yeah, I had Maple close to him. I had him at 28th. But then like I'm going up my list, like I have Blank, Ruler, Reckless, Sword Art, Condi, Doublelifts, Ven, Karsa. I'd have to rank him with Crown, right? And I'm not putting perks on the level near Crown. And I'm also not putting him on the level of Scout, which was the big disagreement between Deficio and Papa Smithy. So that's essentially my argument. And I'm curious if you guys think Perks belongs in that club. So here's my question about, like, the logic then. So if the mm-hmm. logic is about, like, longevity and consistency of form, um, then I have to look at Khan and why Khan is so high. Um, mm-hmm. Or BDD. Well, well, here's the thing, right? Like, uh, it is about trying to predict how good they're going to be at Worlds. Like, it's not this in a vacuum, you must check seven boxes and he's an eight out of 10 in this and a seven out of 10 in that. Like, Khan was so dominant and so good, so close to Worlds and throughout that entire summer split in the most competitive region. It's like, boom, he's up there. But Perks, his MSI performance is also separated from his regular season performance. And yes, he had the good final, but that just wasn't enough to put him way up there. And it's like, I actually also don't think the 26 is that different from 18. I have another little question. Did you guys also then, if you're talking about 
this is predicting their performance at world did you take mm -hmm. into account the groups was this after group draw because uh, perks is playing yeah. against crown and what like Xiaohu or something so he's definitely going to have some uh intense uh competition that's actually on this list so yeah maybe we'll get to see that's the thing <laughs> right like you're gonna see right away because yeah. i'm saying that he's not in that club if he smashes crown i'm wrong yeah and i'm 100 percent willing to admit that yeah but i mean predictions predictions have to be you you can't always get them right, right? Yeah. You have your reasoning. If you can back it up, if you have solid reasons for it, which you do, then I think it's fine as long as you're willing to actually defend and can defend mm -hmm. your prediction. <laughs> we've made we've made at least <laughs> one or two. You know, we've never been wrong. For the record, I've I've been successful on all my bets that I've taken. <laughs> Those are more important. There you go. Than there you go. Hundred percent <laughs> in that respect. But it is interesting because only only with a one EU guy uh, made the list. Two NA guys yeah. made the list. You know, Maple, uh, someone maybe a lot of people would be surprised he didn't make the list. A lot of LPL people did. Uh, this is something we talked about earlier. I'm just kind of curious on on your guys' opinions on, you know, the distribution between the leagues and and kind of mm -hmm. how that is defended. Because a lot of talk on Reddit was, oh, well, LPL isn't going to win. The, they're not going to win Worlds. They have no chance. How could they have, you know, six players, I believe it was, uh, on the list? Um, you know, and, and just kind of the, the ranking of... Of the regions as, as far as the lpl is concerned i think like you said and we talked about it earlier the the fact that you can't just look at it at the teams like yes the lpl teams mm -hmm. have never met the expectations mm -hmm. that the community has really set for them um but it doesn't mean that the individual performances or that superstar uh talent isn't there we have 20 different servers so how many challenger spots sit on a single server times that by 20 that's how many challenger players that we have floating around uh, we have a server that is dedicated only to diamond one and above for the professionals to play on so they can lower their queue times want to be a bronze have... diamond player <laughs> can't wait we have lpl lppl lspl tga and then like the LCK, which is effectively the LPL tryouts at this point, just like who are we gonna start sniping <laughs> off next? Like we literally came into Kespa Cup one year. I was like, well, welcome you to the LPL. Somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'll get an angry tweet about that. But you know yeah. what I mean? And they haven't. Uh, like I, I agree. I, I always say that I think China should eventually be like the esports power, but there's a lot of factors that work against them, mm -hmm. like with Korea's experience and how good they are at the top end. But even with that, China didn't make semis last year. But they have consistently been the second highest performing region at Worlds. I look at even individual game win rates. So that takes into account all the LPL teams who have bombed at Worlds. They still have the second highest regional win rate of all regions at Worlds. And 66% of LPL teams have made it out of group stage since they switched to this format three years ago. So they are clearly the second best region historically. And, and the thing is, oh, sorry. Quarterfinals matchups, right? Yeah. Like that's so Thank much of what you. it is. They, they, <laughs> yeah. keep, they keep getting Koreans in the quarterfinals. And guess who's the number one performing region at Worlds? Yeah. Well, it's the LCK. Man, they're so lucky they never play other Korean teams in group stage. <laughs> and while yeah. I'm totally fine to like ride this, this hype train right now, I will pull it back. Back. like yeah. don't don't misunderstand i do not think that there is a massive gap between like china and and eu or na and actually this is a really cool world because this is actually the opportunity that eu in particular because they're actually the closest in evening up that record could overtake uh china as in terms of like overall wins as like second historic strongest region um which is why this world is even more important but so much of that that uh, mentality about like, you know, China's not actually the second best region there. They, they've fallen down really did start at 2015. But if you cut away that world's 2016, you know, that was a bad quarterfinals matchup. 2016 world's a very similar thing. Uh, I know that there's also the EDG versus like Fnatic best of five that, that comes to mind, but there are very mm -hmm. limited instances. It's also. <clears throat> yeah, Kobe's got it. <laughs> yeah. Kobe was going to say he I... agrees with everything that uh, you said. <laughs> Uh, there's been a recent trend also that I've noticed with both uh, Europe and, and NA recently because uh, Rift Rivals for Europe mm -hmm. and for NA uh, the last couple of years at Worlds where both regions are like trying very hard to set low expectations heading into uh, so you can over this time around. Mm. So we're both like trying to like- They're not that great, they're not that great. You're better, no, so you're better. like, hey, everybody calm down until <laughs> like you know, we actually win some games, we get out of groups or something like that, so. Uh, that's also pretty funny how uh, we're both like trying to get as low as possible. On the topic of Rift Rivals, I'm only going to get riled up about this one, so this will be quick. <laughs> uh, the lashback and the, the uh, can I say bitching? 
You sure, can't. you just did. Yeah, it's too late. Jat, Jat has uh, dropped Jat the most did two swears terrible in words. one episode. Two, two swears. swears. We don't have a swear jar yet, but we'll no. go on. The aggressive complaining about the Riff Rivals format. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, don't get me wrong. I'm by no means saying that the Riff Rivals format was more prestigious than winning like a best of five, but it is super disingenuous to completely eliminate any tor- uh, any type of LPL credit by taking away the Riff Rivals victory. Or NA. Here, 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 here. <laughs> or yeah, Riff Rivals. Yeah. <laughs> we we are all on the same page. Riff Rivals was go. the most important tournament of all time <laughs> but, and clearly <laughs> demonstrated the strength of our region. Okay, continue, so continue, continue. continue. But, but the thing is, is that format is used in other esports like StarCraft. Uh, having StarCraft, a, very competitive esports. Super competitive. Koreans are supposed to be yep. really good at that. Yep. Why weren't they better at this yep. Riff Rivals format? I don't know. Uh, but it, it's the topic of... EDG knew that uh, Samsung, like the LPL coaches revealed their notes afterwards. They knew that Samsung was going to come out first. They almost 100% predicted their draft. EDG said, we can beat Samsung, had the confidence, went out and did it. Team WE matched up across from SKT. It's not like, you know, we we pegged off like these weak teams yeah. and like cheated a victory. We you beat win- MVP four times. Exactly. No, you didn't. Just beat him once. And yeah, it does suck that uh, it was MVP and not, you know, uh, another higher end LCK teams. Like there's definitely debate here, but completely saying or, or throwing out Rift Rivals, it doesn't mean anything. There's no reason to be excited. Like there was legitimate victories there and mm-hmm. it yeah. was legitimately won. It, it was extremely exciting. And I think that that is how Rift Rivals should be played, like the preparation. To me, it should be an event where the regions are working together. And and I think the LPL demonstrated that best. I didn't really even hear about that at all from NA. It was just kind of three individual teams fighting. And I hope that's a world where I can get to because I think that's a very exciting event to, to watch. And it's much more than about the regional pride instead of just, I hope Cloud9 does well or I hope you know EDG does well. It's I hope... LPL does well. I hope the NALCS does well. Yeah. I think uh, it's a, also a good transition to get us, you know, moving to, to the start of this mm-hmm. world, um, that teams working together actually is an important thing for LPL because, like, teams that didn't even make it to the Worlds, you know, they're going to the boot camp and stuff. I keep hearing about how they're, like, uniting as a region. Flying in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, they're, they're, like, uniting against their common Wait, enemy. Flags. The rest of the world. So, you know, that's kind of neat. And we'll see if that, you know, has an effect on Worlds boot camp and that type of stuff. But... Shall we, you know, transition a yes. bit further oh, the, the meta. show? Because this list is long, and we'll just stay here all day. Yeah, thank you for joining us on the next Top 20 uh, episode <laughs> that we made. Check out the video that uh, we posted on Lolly Sports as well. But it's time to move on to Patch 718. This is a fairly recent patch. Most notably, it is the World Patch. So the main topic of this discussion... Uh, will be, A, is there anything that stands out to you as being particularly Worlds impacting on this patch? And B, just what do you think the Worlds meta is going to be? Because that's what this patch also entails. I mean, I think the the big one to me as far as standouts was actually Casio because Casio has gotten a number of nudges, a number of changes, and and I feel like is kind of a very different type of mid laner than, than most of the others. Mm-hmm. There's not really many mid laners who are like, tank killers basically right who are people who can just act as another 80 carry type uh role and just be a frontline killer because mm-hmm. when, you, when you think of champions like that it's like okay well you can make the argument for Valkaz and stuff but no one really plays it i mean who else is there that really does this maybe talia if talia is able to move around very well and you know constantly use work ground to hit the front line but there's not a lot of champions in that grouping so i think that the changes to Cassio are impactful because I think that people will still play her regardless because there's not someone else that they're comfortable playing who kind of fills that role. Right. Uh, but this means that you could be abused even harder in some of these bad matchups, right? And I, I also think it's really cool that whenever Cassie's in a game and, and seeing the experimentation of like trying to figure out how to deal with that land, like we've seen the Velkazas come out. Mm-hmm. I know in some of the wildcard regions, excuse me, emerging uh regions mm-hmm. that they're using things like Cogma, uh, AD Cogma, Rush Wits End to try to deal with the Cassiopeia. So trying to find like these long range options, Victor is also starting to crop up more. And like just taking a step back and looking at the world's meta, uh, you know, normally going to worlds, I've been pretty, pretty skeptical of a lot of the patches that it's playing on. It feels like super skewed one way or, or the other. And I think that this is actually a really good like genuinely for once like a really solid patch to play on where you have enough kind of fringe picks or or versatile options you know you can play the the defensive heal barrier supports you can play the all in engage like the alistair supports Callista still really strong despite some of her tweaks so i'm actually really happy with the 718 worlds patch uh another mid laner uh as we're talking about cassiopeia that also stood out and not necessarily because the rise buff is like super big or anything but sometimes a buff is enough to remind people about a champion. 
and with the rest of the control mages in mid lane receiving nerfs over several patches, I think it would be super interesting if we did mm -hmm. see Rise come back. You know, we have all these hype plays where there's realm warps and, and it just kind of blows people's minds and it makes for really big moments in the game. So that could be one interesting one. But as usual, I'm most hyped for the jungle. And okay. You mentioned a little bit, but the Ezreal and the Nidalee um, are really, they have very interesting possibilities because while tank junglers have gotten nerfs, I still think that um, the barrier of execution for teams that are like full offense are gonna is very high, um, mm -hmm. but it does give more options for teams that would want to go, you know, the con strategy, right? If you have a snowballing top laner and you pick Ezreal jungle, like you can just run right. over that side of the map. So if you have strong lane with Ezreal jungle, um, you know those possibilities are are very interesting. Yeah, but then you still have the problem of. Do we ever get into a point where we've made a mistake, the other team got enough money that they have a tank and mm -hmm. they can team fight, um, and those issues start to crop up? So I always like when there's a balance between yeah. those two. And that's that's the two biggest swinging points uh, I have on the list, is the battle between tank junglers and the warrior slash Nidalee junglers of the world, and then the battle between playmaking supports like Alistair, Thresh, and Rakan versus the heal barrier bottom lane art and sensor users like those are the two things that currently feel like they're in a pretty good balance but could shift over in one direction heavily and like drastically change the game and then the prediction is like will, will i think that happen one thing that i think will happen with the heal barrier things mm -hmm. is i think most teams are actually going to settle on that unfortunately yeah i think the recon nerfs are big enough that you can now like ban out Alistair and maybe deal with Rakan and then just go heal barrier and get to late game. I hope that doesn't happen. Also, um, with the support uh, pendulum kind of swing between those, those two sets of supports, Ivern and Nidalee with their buffs are actually yeah. also Ardent Sensor builders. So now we have more options. If you want to incorporate Ardent Sensor, yeah. which every single AD carry and their mother <laughs> does 100%, no questions asked, if they want to build the team comp, uh, then you actually have more options than just support now. Yeah, and I was actually checking in on LPL top laners to see if they were doing anything odd, and they're running now Karma top against Cho'Gath specifically with the Athene's Ardent Sensor Rush build. Sick. I do not. <laughs> I'm not a fan of solo lane Karma, so I hope that that doesn't take off. But I've know, seen that's... a lot of it. Uh, I I watch a ridiculous amount of tracking the pros, which is the Korean solo queue stream that just tracks worlds players. I've seen a lot of mid lane Karma. I was seeing a ton of jungle Ezreal, but now I just assume it's banned every game because every time I was seeing it, it was going 12 and one, 13 and two. Like that's that's a very real power pick. That to get back to the other point, like. <laughs> The jungle could be hype. Like, if we see yeah. Nidalee, Ezreal, slight Gragas nerfs, is Sejuani strong enough early game? Like, are there enough tanks? Or can you just ban the big tanks and then push it into a carry jungle? Well, and, and part of the, the thing that's working into that as well is that, so Cinderhawk lost 25 health, but Knight's Vow lost 100 health. Right, yeah, and people, people. The cost are, was also reduced. For the that. cost was so reduced hundred. That's a little yeah. bit. So it's right. it's a lower health, cheaper item, but also less efficient. Yeah, yeah. well, it's it, it's a hundred gold less, and it mm -hmm. lost a hundred health. Yeah. But I'm just talking about two item completion. Yes, it will be hundred gold earlier, but uh, with the the knight's vow bonus HP down plus the cinder hulk multiplication on that, you're essentially a ruby crystal less in health for yeah. one hundred gold cheaper, right? So you're, you could say you have four hundred gold less health for one hundred gold less. So mm -hmm. that in combination with the fact that some of these tanks have been nerfed and the, the buffs to some of these other champions and the fact that they are very popular does kind of uh, skew it a little bit because, yes, it is more risky, perhaps, to play these DPS uh, champions. But when you do get quite behind as a tank in the jungle specifically, like, junglers don't have as consistent uh, of an income as, as, say, a top lane tank. So that's where I think the games can sometimes spiral out of control as, as far as, like, oh, well, this this Nidalee got way ahead of you and you're a Sejuani, you're now down a couple levels, you don't even have access to your own jungle. Like, that can get really tough. Unless you have mid lane control yeah. and your mid lane is going to protect your Raptors, then everything's fine. So that's why it's, it's like everything's connected, right? You know, mid lane can protect yeah. the jungle if your jungle's Team not game. good. Bottom lane's supposed to be ganked for the day. You need your art and Yeah. So what do you think's going to happen? Do you think we'll see carry junglers, tank junglers, or mid I think we'll see both. 100%. Yeah. I think it's going to be, at least from LPL, we're definitely going to come out pretty hard and fast, except for EDG. They'll use the tank junglers, but I They'll think... They'll play clear love. Uh, I think Jarvan might go back to Warrior. Hmm. He, he already has in solo queue. Yeah. I think uh, it could happen in pro. Like, it really depends, but Jarvan is one of those guys who can early gank, like, a top lane to hard camp lane and take over the same way, like, an Ezreal or an Italy would, just not quite as powerful if you end up seeing those junglers banned. Yeah. The, other, the other thing that's really interesting to me is 
almost without fail, I'm seeing people complain about AD carries who are not AD carry mains. And then almost always, I see the AD carry mains say, no, 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 AD carries suck. The reason AD carries are good is because of all these OP tanks that are standing in front of us and defending us. So if it actually does go to a carry jungle meta, it'll be interesting to see if we still have all these all these like Kogma type comps and these Arden Sensor type comps, right? Like, is that as easy to pull off if you have the the Ezreal with a warrior or whatever versus yeah. you know the Sejuani who's building a Knight's Vow second and then a locket and then all these sorts of items that also like not only you're yeah. frontlining but you're also buffing up and protecting um your carries. So like I do think that that is kind of intertwined. You know, the more tanks you see, the more you can see of those Arden Sensor supports, the Kogmas, the Twitches, these yeah. sorts of things. And the more carries you see, the more self-reliant AD carries you want, like your Ezreal's or your whatever. The meta is very delicate. Yeah. Because if we think back to before the Cinderhawk buffs, who were the meta AD carries? The utility one. Yeah. The Jin, the Ash, and the Varus. Because if you lock down someone in a world of nothing but squishies, you get the kill, mm -hmm. right? But if you have a huge tank, then those guys can't carry over it. So it's it's all those thresholds. And once the threshold is reached, everyone shifts over that. So uh, that's the struggle that I think the balance team was trying to solve coming into this world. I hope they did it, right? Like, I hope they found that point where the threshold is unclear, which yeah. could happen. And and even if they don't hit the point exactly, um, the reason I like them switching it back this direction uh, on this patch mm -hmm. is that World's Boot Camp is not enough time for, them to for teams to fully solve it, right? There yeah. will be teams that still think, you know, the the other path, right? Even if it's the less less traveled path. I think that we will see both strategies. But the scary thing is, is that if, if like, say Korea just comes in and just starts smashing people with a specific style, they tend to decide, like, the tournament meta. And that just feels bad, you know what I mean? Like, if they decide that heel bearer is the way to go and they keep winning with it, then other teams are going to Stay strong, Khan. <laughs> it's not It only meta. feels bad if just they keep, choose Jana and Sedwani as the meta. If they choose, you know, some crazy stuff, then yeah. it's okay. Also, like, <laughs> I, I do agree that people do often look towards Korea for, like, how to play the game. But more often than not, I think going into Worlds, like, Korea's week one struggles are because they don't have the same meta read as others. And then they just adapt to it and beat you anyway, so. That was always the, the StarCraft world where it was, like, if, if you come up with a new strategy, you could beat Korea with it once. And then, <laughs> and the, and then the next again. tournament, they were just going to do your strategy much better than you could. <laughs> and you were never going to win again. But you got that one time. Yeah. Let's remember back to Shanghai with the glory days where uh, Korea admitted to learning the meta from Afro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. The glory at the yeah. tournament uh, and then huh. beat us. Yes, uh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> Unlucky. Want to move on to plans? Sure. Sweet. So Frost Gurren has joined us. You will be casting plans soon. It's in two to three days, basically, depending 23rd? on how you're going to read about time zones. Yeah, it's the 23rd, but if you're on Pacific time, it's actually Friday night at like 1030 is when the games start with the opening ceremony being at 10 Pacific time. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we have plans this year. There's 12 teams auto-seed in the group stage. Then we have like these four major region teams as the top seed in every group. Hong Kong Attitude from the LMS, Fnatic from EU, C9 from NA, uh, and also Team WE from the LPL. And then a bunch of emerging regions formerly known as wildcard regions. Like, wh what stands out to you from this plan? I mean, the thing is, is everyone's going to give the benefit of the doubt to the, the, the power regions, the big four, the Hong mm -hmm. Kong Attitudes, Fnatic, Cloud9, and Team WE. I think a lot of people are, are just trusting my word that Team WE is the, actually the strongest Chinese team. So theoretically... I think they're in the conversation for strongest Chinese team. <laughs> in the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I think the more interesting topic is actually, you know, do the emerging regions actually have a shot? Uh, we saw the Gigabyte mm -hmm. Marines, so, you know, people are, are still a little bit unsure. If, and ANX, right? Anytime CLG goes to worlds they like to give hope back so we've seen every team that seals has ever played exactly <laughs> um and, and so going into this i was really trying to prep and, and figure out you know who are the actual emerging region threats and it kind of comes down to three teams for me it comes down to um and no particular order okay uh gambit the dire wolves and uh Fenerbahce. I okay. think are, are the three teams to really pay attention to because uh, we're only in groups of three. So if you drop, you know, one or two games, suddenly you can very so, easily. Yeah. I was looking at it. Uh, if you drop two games, then that is a reality. I feel like if you only drop one game, then the, you know, 
they're they're gonna be there'll fine. be a tiebreaker and yeah because i mean it'll have to get funky yeah. but well it's it's who, super round robin who games is not very much double round robin best of one right people yeah yeah it's a double round robin best of one with three only with, three teams. with three teams in the group so, so you only so you four games. split so, then you're tied and you have to do a tiebreaker yeah right? exactly be, three, one. because if you even if you lose two to the same team then you're probably screwed and if you lose one to each of them and then the other team you know two owes the other team then you're also screwed yep that would make things super interesting. So I immediately, before we even like discuss the rest of that, I wanted to <laughs> ask you guys like, which group do you think the highest possibility of one of the Hong you know, Kong top attitude. four I was losing say group two yep. games? Because I also thought Group B is a possibility. Uh, you know, I hate to say it there for Cloud Nine, but as you're talking about Dire Wolves uh, and Team One, like people could come into mm-hmm. these games, they're best of ones with some sort of rushdown strategy some cheese strategy as people mm-hmm. like to say you know uh take that gigabyte marines attitude and if that happens twice then there you go everything's gonna be upside down well the craziest part about it is because so this is double round robin right but mm-hmm. stage two is the top two seeds from each of these groups move on they play a best of five that is one best of five there is no losers bracket to that so if one team you know, kind of messes it up. Say it is Cloud Nine, right? Cloud Nine e- loses two games. They could then get paired with, say, Fnatic or uh, Hong Kong Attitude or whoever. Then that would mean that one of them is guaranteed to not make it into the world's group mm. stage. And you know, Cloud Nine, say say they mess up in their best of ones, but they play well in the best of five. Well, they could actually screw over Fnatic or whoever yeah. else. Right? I know that's why I'm saying two games determined <laughs> so much. And and that also for looking at through the NA lens. It really does affect things for for the world's groups because if all four major regions make it through, WE gets slotted into TSM's group, right? And that is, you know, the strongest North American team. That is where most of the North American hopes lie. And if WE is, as Frost Current says, the best Chinese team, that is very scary. So you're actually hoping that one of these major region teams don't make it through because that could actually mess with where they uh, these teams get placed and yeah. mean that TSM is not guaranteed to get WE, although they still could. Yeah, it's... It's long and convoluted and, like, make sure you're following along. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Frosk, though, is this Hong Kong Attitude team. Yep. Uh, because a lot of people actually rank them higher than AHQ. Yeah. Uh, explain to me the Hong Kong Attitude roster. Uh, so Hong Kong Attitude started as uh, Hong Kong Esports. They've actually gone through two rebrandings over the course of the year. And you have to understand that in the LMS, they started 1-6. And then mm-hmm. they finished 6-1. And on the back half of their most recent split, going into Worlds, the, the thing that put them here, they went through J-Team, Flash Wolves, and AHQ, as well as Raze Gaming. So mm-hmm. all of the top teams, this team does have tape taking down, including beating Flash Wolves from a 10K gold deficit. So uh, Hong Kong Attitude, when you talk to them, they don't think that it's just AHQ. They think that they're better than Flash Wolves. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm ready to give them the benefit of the doubt. A lot of their players are very Never untested. believe the team themselves. Exactly. <laughs> We did great in scrims. <laughs> We're yeah. really good. I saw that one on Reddit too. <laughs> no, but uh, you just have to, it's so hard to judge LMS. Personally, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of LMS. I tried to over-index in it this uh, this split because I wanted to feel confident talking about these teams. Right. I watched that region. I watched them very heavily for Rift Rivals. And going into Rift Rivals, I was like, the LMS is not not great right now. They, they're super reliant on maintaining lane phases, which slows down the tempo of their game because they want to exploit the individual matchups because their player base is so small. So across every single team, they're going to have one player that's just infinitely better than the guy on the other side, and they want to isolate they those p- matchups. Things like that. In this case, I would say like sword art. Um, but then that meta doesn't fly or that strategy doesn't fly on the global stage. So you can't, it's really hard to look at LMS, figure out what their meta is, see what's making the team strong. And then if you try to extrapolate that to a global stage, like that's never going to work. These teams are going to get blown up. But then they just change and they play completely different. So you never know what the hell to expect from them. Yeah, I like talking to Nelson a lot. Um, he's the assistant analyst, coach yeah. uh, or analyst for HKA. And he's always so confident in particularly their laning phase, right? And and their like one-on-one matchups and stuff like that. Um, but it, I don't know. It's it does it does seem like um, there's a lot of doubt as well if you look at the rest of the Twitter analysts just for LMS about the region as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about them, you know, giving Flash Wolves such a hard time that has kind of brought down the expectations rather than the entire up. region, yeah, right? Yeah. Rather than like boost HKA up to like, oh, they're gonna come in like the the new Flash Wolves, better than Flash Wolves or whatever. It's kind of lowered the overall expectations for the whole region. Um, even though these guys on Flash Wolves particularly just because they make every international event all yep. the time. And that's kind of our uh, you know benchmark for, for the region. Even though they have so much history and so much consistency, 
uh, and it's the same guys, people are like doubting them more and, and by consequence, the whole region. But even if you look at some of these really well-known names like Maple, Carsa, and even Ziv from uh, AHQ in particular, Westor, Chowie. Not the best season. It, yeah, really <laughs> rough seasons. I was actually, you know, kind of going all the way back around the top 20 that Sword Art wasn't ranked higher than Carsa. Because in my opinion, if you had to pick an MVP from the LMS this split, it wasn't Carsa. It actually was Sword Art. But of course, it was a very, like, jungle uh, support roaming type of meta. Um, but it's not to say, like, Carsa's going to come in and, and drop the ball because you can never hold that expectation because he always proves us wrong. But Carsa is, is not playing to the same standard, at least domestically, that I think most international fans would expect. Yeah. And I also want to talk about Gambit, CIS. They, they're in Team WE's group, which I think is the hardest number one seed in the group. So there's a likely chance they get a number two and then have to play a best of five against C9, Fnatic, or HKA. I'm trying to figure out if I think they have a legitimate shot of making it. Because CIS is obviously the region we had Albus Knox Luna in last year. They were able to take, you know, two games off of CLG. They beat a Korean team in the group stage. Like, they have done it before, whether or not you think they can do it reliably. And based on that history, I want to give them, like, the credit. Be like, yeah, they can actually do it. But when I watch a few of their games, like, they don't look that clean. So what are your thoughts on, on Gamut coming in? I mean, my, my thoughts on Emerging Regions as a whole is that, so there was this world where the teams actually just weren't that good, right? For a long time. So people didn't prepare for them because you didn't need to prepare mm -hmm. for them. I think we're now actually in a world where, you know, after ANX showed up and after, you know, Gigabyte showed up, you do have to take them seriously. You do need actual preparation for these teams or you will lose to them. But if you do prepare, I still do think that they are a step below. And that's like my honest opinion on it because when you look at ANX at Worlds, they were pretty vocal. Lecrit was talking about how they couldn't get a single scrim. They were just playing WoW and whatnot because mm -hmm. no one would actually play them because they thought they were crap. And then once they actually started, you know, beating people, everyone wanted to scrim them. And then yeah. you look at how they performed against H2K in the quarterfinals. They looked very figured out to me. Mm -hmm. It looked like, okay, well, you kind of had your fun. Now everyone knows what you do and you can't win. And that is kind of the world in which I think a lot of these teams live. And I'm, I'll be happily proven wrong. Like, that would be great. Mm -hmm. But but I think that we've seen, if you don't prepare, you're going to lose. I think teams will prepare. And I don't really think that these teams will do as well as we've seen ANX and Gigabyte do. This is a perfect opening. Uh, one of the reasons why I talked about Group B also being a possibility for those upsets is because of the great social media interactions that were going on. Cloud9, not only, Team 1, and Direwolves. So it's yeah. NA, Brazil, and OS. Not only did Jensen tweet out, I just watched the whole group drop. I have no, I still have no <laughs> idea who we're playing against. Yeah. To your point of like, not only do like they not you know, care really much about these guys, the reason these jokes are so funny is because there is truth to them, right? The top laner of Direwolves is then tweeting at Impact like, oh, I'm going to smash you. And, and 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 he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm your new rival. Like he's trying to become <laughs> Impact's rival. Yeah, and Impact, Impact, Impact yeah. is actually like, oh, that's cool. Nice to meet you. Like, yeah. who are you? Yeah, Impact that's... goes, nice to meet you. Who are you again? Yeah. <laughs> but And then the other guy's like, I'm going to be your rival. It's like some anime where like the, the five-year-old kid is like, Impact I'm coming for you, Goku. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious too because the Direwolves are such a, uh, it's like, a, it's the Australian team. Like the Aussie yeah. bands are pretty intense with that team and while it's it's i agree with you it's like the anime like yugi like oh, i'm gonna go on an adventure i'm gonna find my rival <laughs> like gary oak rolls up uh they are very much if you give them a, a microphone they will like shit talk i mean direwolves <laughs> going into msi uh with that plan they said the only team that it, that should beat them is skt they everyone else is easy sure it's the only team that should have beaten them to be honest they just <laughs> underperformed and there's also a uh, history between just these like two worlds baby yeah. <laughs> Contracts and Shurnfire both played in the NACS. <laughs> yeah. Shurnfire is the big star player. And mm. like the reason why I rank Direwolf so highly, uh, and I was watching Cloud9 VODs at the same time that I was watching Direwolf VODs, they're very similar in their play style and kind of how they function as teams. I think there's a bit more weight for Direwolves on Shurnfire where there's more weight on Jensen, but it's that very strong mid-jungle synergy uh, you can carry from every single position, kind of a more inconsistent top laner, but can play versatile uh, play styles. Like, I just think of Direwolves as like the mini Cloud9. Point is, though, uh, <laughs> Cloud9 have not done any prep uh, unless they not are the like week, the group drop. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, at, yeah. at the time going in, they had not done any prep to even know who these guys are. Um, not saying like that's not enough time or whatever, yeah. but yeah. Uh, not only is it hilarious, but also <laughs> if it's true, which it seems like it is, then um, it would be like the most recent prep. And Shrinfire, when he was here um, playing in NACS, um, 
he he was de- I definitely remember him in solo queue and like he was definitely impressive in solo queue, but I don't really like n- there weren't really like standout moments from the CS game. Right. So um, I, it'll be interesting to see you know contracts actually playing against him while they're now. Contracts has I was looking at the stats for this the highest solo deaths of any jungler I believe or, or he might mm-hmm. be second highest attending the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think pretty highly of contracts. I'll talk about that more in plans. But Shurnfire is really good at tracking people. He's very clever about Fog of War, and he's a fairly intelligent jungler about how he plays around the vision. So I'm just really curious if Contracts, you know, gets the Nidalee pick and, and puts his nose in it, if Shunfire can actually punish that. The one thing I do remember is Shunfire did play Nidalee in NACS, which was a very long time ago, mm-hmm. but that means that he could also pull oh, it back out. Yeah. So. A lot of these guys can pull out the carry junglers. Diamond Prox, Ezreal, Nidalee. That's so cool, Diamond back at World. Yeah. Uh, to kind of wrap this discussion up, everyone does know generally speaking, like the major regions. Frost, since you've done the most prep on this, like uh, aside from Gambit, who is the team that you think has the coolest story in here? or like, And as well as that, maybe the best chance of maybe pulling an upset. Ooh, coolest story? Uh, I think it's actually... Okay, coolest story is definitely Brazil's team. Um, okay. They are actually the fairy tale like yeah, happening right now. Challenger to first place yeah, in the world. Four months. That's how long they, they've been on this this ride. And they went through all of the Brazil powerhouses. And when you talk about you know Brazil as an emerging region, it's probably the one that comes in you know close towards the top, mm-hmm. towards CIS as well. Because we expect good things from the Brazilian team. So that story is incredible. In terms of who I actually think is going to pull an upset or who is uh, scary... It's a tie. I think um, Gambit stylistically are very different than any of the other planes teams. They play much faster. It's so funny. We get all these notes from the teams. It's like, we're a heavy macro rotation strategy team. We're <laughs> we're a 5v5 team fighting team, heavy macro. Like, it's all the same yeah. thing. And Gambit, like, we're going to blitz you. We're going to roam. We're going to go really hard and fast very quickly. So it's a very up-tempo type of game. And if you want to talk about catching people off guard in a best of one, I think stylistically, that's suited for Gambit. Who I think is the most consistent team and just kind of played in a the overall strongest region, and this is coming from a lens that I have most access to these players, I actually mm-hmm. think it is Oceania. I'm watching the, the Chiefs Ooh. versus Dire Wolves. There, there's moments where I, I look at the play and I'm like, this is the correct play. The execution is fumbled, and it's not perfect by any means, but you know, the, the drafts look much closer to what you see in, in the power regions. You know, you see the Korean influence coming through. You see the North American and European influence come through. Whereas you look at the other regions, there's a lot of these random pocket picks that teams are still really reliant on. Yeah, I'm reading through the Twitter questions as well uh, as we move towards the end of the show. We just answered it. Zanzibar asked for Plains episode, which wildcard teams are most likely to make it to the world's main stage? <laughs> Kobe, you got one? Check. I say uh, Fenerbahce. Just because I feel like... The only thing Turkey's about been pretty strong. So we have, to, <clears throat> we have to take into account the groups, then, right? Yeah, you do have to take oh, a little bit. They well, just have to finish second in groups, and then you never know who they're going to get drawn 100%. in. Hundred percent. Fenerbahce have the easiest group, and they're also probably tied in there. Uh, it, it's now a matter of like how much better is Frozen than all mm-hmm. of the other players there, because that team is so reliant on Frozen and and Thaldren. And just for to be clear, that group is Group D. It's Hong Kong Attitude, nineteen oh seven Fenerbahce, and Rampage, which is the Japanese team. Yep. Sweet. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be pretty interesting to see. I'm very excited for playing. I do think there is the possibility for upsets, especially because mm-hmm. it only takes one team. Like Kobe said, two games, and we have a best of five between two of the major regions. Uh, Going to be exciting, but we can hop into some more of the Twitter yeah. questions. You um, you know this guy's name very well. Who sent us in our next David question? David Peterly, my yeah. boy. Nailed it. Uh, what champions might make a surprise appearance at Worlds? Uh, one-off cheese picks or super OP picks? I mean... Surprise is a hard word. Yeah, because... If you have not been following, you know, the meta outside of just watching pro games, then I think Nidalee and Ezreal would be very surprising to you, you know, if you have not been kind of keeping up with what people are playing going into Worlds. Um, but, you know, a lot of NLS Law Pros are expecting that. I think maybe a one where one area we could see a lot of surprise picks, though, is in the play-in. Because like you talked about, some of these teams are mm-hmm. still reliant on, on the crazy picks. Like Kira and his Anivia. I do think that also... Um... While like people are talking about Ezreal and Nidalee, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about Ivern, so that might there's probably a subset of users mm. that are also like that's not surprising at all. Uh, but I think that Ivern actually could come back in with all the focus on Ardent Sensor and it allowing so many of these good supports to mm-hmm. actually be on playmaking supports and still get an Ardent Sensor. It's also Rengar, um, Condi particular in the plans. He played Rengar even when he fell out of fashion, and like as the jungle pool gets moved around, Rengar starts to become more viable. 
Yeah, and like I went legendary on him yesterday with a game with Isaac. That's true, and then we lost. Much. We both went legendary, and then <laughs> yeah. we lost. It's so it's it's so interesting, right? Because this <laughs> is the lower the lowest amount of disruption I feel like we've had from patch to patch in like many past worlds. So mm -hmm. to try and say like what one off pick or like sleeper pick is hard because we've seen a lot of them. Like, does our evolved Kazix count? Probably not, even though Clear Love has played that. So like mm -hmm. it would be surprising to a lot of people who haven't watched Clear Love, but it wouldn't be surprising as far as that gets pulled out. Maybe like Poppy uh, appearing in either the jungle or the top lane. We have seen that. So like maybe we see it again. It's 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 interesting. I think we're gonna see a lot of diversity at Worlds this year though. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, here's an interesting question. I mean, this is obviously kind of pointed at one team, but maybe we'll talk about some others. Uh, Jeremy Thomas asks, what are some of the most talented rosters to miss Worlds in league history? Everyone's thinking KT. KT. You don't get to use that as an answer. Uh, you guys are more the league historians here. So uh, what do you think? Miss Worlds. SKT. I was going to say SKT. Yeah. Samsung. Boom. 2014 oh, he stole SKT. It, Kobe. What else you got? <laughs> yeah. They didn't make it in because Najin Shield made it in. Yeah. Team I'm, WE missing 2016 Worlds because IMA had their Miracle Run. Oh, that was run. another really good one. Because yeah. this is the exact same roster that uh, had a good showing at MSI and is now projected to have a good showing coming into 2017 Worlds. And that was a massive upset. They literally lost 55 minutes in Game 5. They had more gold and had out-damaged every single person on the team and still lost the game. That's pretty crazy. I'm just going to go with one player. Okay. Score. Score. Oh, yeah, that's Fair. fine. He's a Whatever. team. Yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> the, he's team. the team. Uh, I think if you're looking at NA, maybe you could make the argument for, well, it's kind of surprising if you're looking at last year to this year, CLG. Maybe uh -huh. it is, is pretty surprising when you think, okay, MSI, best performance ever, Worlds, one game away from knocking ro rocks out of groups. 2017? Where they at, right? Didn't even make worlds. Yeah. If you're a real right. CLG fan, you would uh, not be surprised. By <laughs> <it>. <laughs> In typical worlds fashion, we're going to do final question here from Dreamers Esports, which is a good name for this question. All memes aside, how does NA win worlds, both this year and in the future? This year, I think uh, you're hoping for some tragic wrist injuries, perhaps, for some of the best teams. Is Whoa, yeah. that's dark. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to give a real answer. Uh, okay. We've seen you can get a good path if you're lucky enough with draws. If we assume the three Korean teams uh, win their group, and we assume that somehow TSM, you know, either doesn't get WE in their group or finishes first, that means they don't play a Korean team in the quarters, which means they could make it all the way to semis without playing a Korean team. Mm -hmm. So that's the path to get you the closest to like one or two best of fives away. The from problem is you worlds. still need probably to win two best of fives against Korean Maybe. teams but to wait, actually win. But here's my question. Which Korean team, like if you had to pick one, would mm -hmm. you prefer TSM? Samsung. Samsung, Samsung. yeah. Sure. Boom. And then WE took down SKT again in the other semifinal. There you go. They beat WE just like they did back at IM Katowice 2015. World champions. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, requires, it requires like the NA team playing the highest possible level they've yeah. ever played and i think the korean teams playing at a, at a much lower level than usual it, to win multiple best of fives in a row against against these teams but i mean for the future that's more what i'm kind of interested right. in because the future is kind of maybe more realistic you want to jump in or um something that we really have not seen mid-tournament innovation mm -hmm. where um how i don't know how they would finagle having a good practice partner for this but if they're able to keep um, you know, some innovation that late in the tournament, like mm. away from the other side mm -hmm. of it, then that might be a way. But uh, that's that's also like fairly low percentage yeah. chance to do because you both have to find a reliable and very good scrim partner to keep uh, with you that late. Yeah, highly unlikely. Frost, how does NA win worlds? Uh, I think you said it your best. The the same way that China keeps making it to the the semifinals, just a sculpted easy route and bracket. I mean, for, for future, though, I do think it's possible. And I think the way that NA wins Worlds for future is more of uh, development of the region as a whole. You get lots of great orgs. If you have 10 teams taking, you know, League of Legends and Worlds as seriously as TSM took it last year, and you have that for multiple years in a row, you know, rosters taking it this seriously, maximum amount of practice, maximum amount of preparation, great support staff, great analysts, great coaching, you know, league development of, you know, talk about Academy League, a successful Academy mm -hmm. League. You need the whole system to be working really well because you need top-level competition to improve, right? You yep. cannot have one team being the best to, to like, 
always improve. It's so hard if, if you're better than everyone else. You need all the teams level to rise. Then you can improve as a region. Then maybe you can realistically think about winning worlds in the future. And I think the key to that is money. And mm -hmm. it will all come back to money because if there is substantial amount of money in it not just because oh you know players want to have money and everybody wants to have it but if if you have that security then that you go back uh you can like build up more talent right parents of kids who are in challenger but you know don't have guaranteed prospects mm -hmm. will be much more likely to be behind them putting more time and more dedication in a lot of things people always point to for korea specifically is the dedication and the tenacity of these guys like they're just playing insane amounts and you know, they put so much work into it. If there's more money in the United States, secure future, um, you know, or for North America, I mean, uh, Canada as well, you guys are included. Uh, <laughs> then, then Thank I you. feel like, you know, if parents are behind it for more kids and they can dedicate more, you know, time and stuff behind it, then um, maybe they can get to that level. Sweet. Easy. It's going to happen in no time whatsoever. I just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're like trying to close the show. Go but ahead. But my yeah. thing is, is like, I, I, I agree with that. Like, but to play devil's advocate, um, you know, like endemic sponsorship in, in LCK has kind of hit its ceiling. You know, we have like the big sponsors mm -hmm. in the LCK. You got the SKTs, the KTs, um, and there's still that, that really strict culture of, you know, the, um, the parents don't want their kids to go like, yeah, it, it's technically a uh, safer or everyone knows what pro gamer is in South Korea when you talk to them. Um, but it's still not, you know, like, that's fine. Go off and play, you know, Starcraft, you know, don't be a doctor. I'm not or saying lawyer. that it's like that in Korea. Yeah. I'm saying that for the North American ones to get to the level where they're, uh, you know, you able need to put that dedication in, we would need security here. I'm not saying in that Korea has that security. Yeah. And and to be fair, the Rox Tigers couldn't get a sponsorship. But that's the thing. So right? like, yeah. so if the if the conversation is like money built infrastructure, infrastructure will build uh, better talent, which means that we have a, a better shot at winning worlds. Like we have the best region in the world that, while it does have you know great infrastructure, it wasn't necessarily built in those means. And there's still those instances like the Rox Tigers where those factors don't add up, and you still had greatness. So it's like, why can't NA translate that? It's much easier if you have money. I'm not saying, I'm saying right. that there's, yeah, yeah. for okay. us to there's be like, oh, question of everybody, why would you, yeah. how could you? They, yeah. I'm saying that money Korea, helps. they have more dedication. They have, you know, all these hours that they're willing to put in. Without that, for us to catch up, we would need incentives. Yeah. yeah. Either way, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> time. Thank you for My the bad. questions. No, it was good. Good conversation. Uh, that will do it for this episode of The Dive. Thank you for the questions. Always send them in. Hashtag The Dive, LOL. You can tag any of us on Twitter. We're also going to be doing these kind of throughout Worlds. We'll have a few more on video. Other than that, it'll be audio only. Uh, and World yeah. kicks off. Yeah, World kicks off September 22nd at 10.30 p.m. Pacific time as we take on uh, WE, rather, not we. Uh, <laughs> WE take on Lion Gaming. We can't wait to see you there. I'm excited.